0: Daniel Berger and I were talking the other day. Many of you know Daniel Berger. He's one of our team members. He writes for us occasionally. He also serves us on our public forum. He has his own thread there, as a matter of fact, where people every now and then ask him questions. Daniel also has a thriving ministry. He speaks all over the country and writes books like nobody's business. He's he's always writing a book and has published several. Anyway, we were talking the other day. Daniel and I talk a lot. We, do, we live in the same town. We live just a few miles from each other and attend the same church. And, well, we, we do have something that we're cooking up, and it's a surprise. And I'm not going to tell you about that now but it's coming and it's coming real soon um, and you'll be you'll be excited about it so there's enough of a teaser all right let me get back to what I was saying that we were talking as we do a lot and we were talking about this idea of victim and the reason that we were talking about, victim is because there's some bad stuff happening in the biblical counseling movement. I mean, it's happening throughout the culture, but biblical counselors who should know better, should do better, aren't doing well, and there's a lot of promotion of some bad ideas and some bad soul care practices. And so Daniel and a few few of us have been talking about that a lot recently, and Those of you who have been following us closely over the past couple of months, you know that I have been writing a lot about it. In fact, what I'm going to do today is the one, two, three, four, is the fifth article. And so we're up to about 12,000 words now that I've written over, I would say, a month and a half, probably less time than that. This is another one here. But when I was talking to Daniel about, This idea of victim and how many biblical counselors are abusing the term, which has led to insufficient care within biblical counseling movement ranks. Daniel told me the word victim comes from the Latin word vicarious. Did you know that? The word victim comes from the Latin word vicarious and you know the word vicarious, it means taking someone's place. And so in the world of victimology, the tragic consequences of being a victim means you're taking on another's sin, the sin of the person who abused you. Therefore, an ongoing vicarious victim soul becomes a complicated, trapped one. I want to talk about that in the podcast. Welcome. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. I'm so glad that you are here. The title of this podcast is Thinking of Yourself as a Victim is One of the Worst Things You Can Do. If you want to read this article, I would love for you to do that, and because I have been writing a lot on this idea of of victim, victimhood, victimology, abuse, and so forth, I've I've linked all the articles that I've written uh, thus far, and so they are bedded inside this one, plus a recent one that Brandi Huerta wrote. She's also a writer for our team. She wrote one as well on abuse, and so it is linked here also, and you're welcome to read all of these articles. And so I have a lot of resources for you and as always our resources are free we give them away freely and gladly also thankfully uh, because there's a small army of folks who do support our ministry and I do not hide the ball on this if it weren't for them we would not be doing what we are doing we can't do it any other way and so thank you so much for our supporting community that allows us to reach thousands of people every week. It is a remarkable thing. All right, the title, once again, Thinking of Yourself as Victim is One of the Worst Things You Can Do. I'm going to use the word victim and vicarious the same. And so when I, throughout this podcast, if I say victim, I'm saying vicarious. I say vicarious, I'm saying victim, and so it would be helpful to get that in your mind. And so they are synonyms. I also have a uh, etymological definition here from the online etymology dictionary. I'll read part of it here. Victim, late 15th century noun, quote, living creature killed and offered as a sacrifice to a deity or supernatural power or in the performance of a religious rite. if For those of you who have studied a little bit of theology, you understand exactly what I'm saying. I'm talking about a vicarious sacrifice is what I'm talking about, and that's what this definition is of the word victim. From Latin, victima, sacrificial animal, person, or animal, killed as a sacrifice, perhaps related to vicious, which means turn, occasion, as in vicarious, if the notion is an exchange with the gods. And again, I've linked it here if you want to do a study yourself. And so a helpful synonym for the word victim is vicarious. Now, I want to tease this out because... This is a huge deal when you're talking about legitimate abuse or legitimate hurt from anyone on a victim. Now, again, Christians understand this word vicarious through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus took our place by taking on our sins. And that's what vicarious sacrifice in a simplified definition means. It is taking the place of another person, taking our sin and placing it on Christ. The father pressed his wrath on his holy, only beloved son instead of us. Jesus became the sin bearer. Some of you know 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, he, God the Father, made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Through this vicarious sacrifice, he took our sin. In theology speak, Christ was a vicarious sacrifice. And so rather than us you, me, if you have accepted this vicarious sacrifice, which I hope that you have. And so rather than us bearing the weight, bearing the wrath of our transgressions, Jesus was the substitute or the victim. And so the word victim— the word vicarious is the right word that communicates one of the most powerful truths in the Bible. From the early hours of Genesis until the cross of Christ, the Jewish nation had been victimizing animals as a temporal and insufficient way to expiate their sins. They needed something. They needed someone to take away the weight, the brunt, the cruelty for what they did. They needed a victim. They needed a vicarious sacrifice. And so they used lambs until the Father gave us the lamb as our vicarious victim sacrifice. John said it this way in in 129, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so when Jesus cried from the cross that it was finished, he meant that there was no need for any more victims. No more sacrifices needed to be made. No more animals burnt on the brazen altar. We don't have to take on our sins. We don't have to take on anyone else's sins. The cross is the world's sin magnet that draws every transgression, yours and others, to Christ's person and to his work. Nobody should be that vicarious sacrifice. Nobody should be that victim for any offense. It's a punishment that we can't bear adequately, which is why we must talk about what happens when someone places their sin on you. They make you the victim, and to complicate matters, you let it become your identity Now, I'm not suggesting that a person who carries the weight of another person's sin is doing it willingly. No rational person thinks that way. But you can become a vicarious sacrifice for the transgressions of another. It happens all the time. Perhaps you're the unwilling sufferer of abuse. I was the unwilling, I have been the unwilling sufferer of abuse. I'll talk about that a little bit later. And though you didn't ask for it, I definitely did not ask for it. The effect of taking on that person's sin, being the victim, is having a it can have a detrimental impact on your soul. Now, I trust what I have to say to you will begin to turn the tide from victim to victor, which is the goal in this podcast. And so you don't have to know the meaning of a word to experience the effects of of what it means. I mean, you could hit me in the head with a hammer, and I don't have to know what a hammer is but I can experience the effects of it, and so you might not know that the word victim means vicarious. That's okay, but you need to know the effects of what it means to be a victim, call yourself a victim, take on a victim mindset mentality. If you do not know how to work through What a person did to you, the impact of their actions, it will roast your soul like that animal on the brazen altar in the tabernacle in the wilderness. A vicarious sacrifice feels the full effect of sin. And so it's not just what they did to you, externally, physically, whatever that may be, but it's the lingering effect. That's what a a vicarious sacrifice is. In fact, you see this powerful illustration of a vicarious sacrifice in Leviticus 9.24. It says, "...and the fire came out from before the Lord, and consumed the burnt offering, and the pieces of fat on the altar, and when all the people saw it, they they shouted and fell uh, on their faces." And so this, this vicarious sacrifice and the brunt of what Christ did on the cross, well, again, that can happen in an analogous way in our own souls. And so are you a vicarious sacrifice of another's, another person's sin? How has the impact of what they did affect you? Sometimes it's helpful to pull away from the experience that is happening to you and look at a similar thing through another lens to help highlight the the point being made. Now we have a vivid illustration in our culture of folks who feel and react like very vicarious sacrifices. They act like victims. It's the black community, as many of them wrestle with the historical racism in our in our country. And there's no question, I've talked about this. Uh, plenty to, plenty of times, we, we have historical racism. So just like abuse that may have happened to you, we're not denying that. But I'm saying if you take on the this concept of being a victim vicarious, then, well that does become a problem. And so two things can be true at the same time. It's not denying the reality of what happened, but how you think about it and respond to it, well, that can also be detrimental. Now, what I'm talking about in this illustration, exclusively I'm speaking of, of slavery, I'm not talking about isolated events of racism that continues today. We have isolated events of racism. Again, I don't even think that's, it shouldn't be arguable, uh, certainly not with me, and I do think with many of you, it's not arguable that there are isolated events of racism. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about slavery. And ironically, none of of those people, uh, of the black people, they have ever experienced slavery, but they act as though they are the victims of it. Now think about it. Many people talk about slavery as though it happened to them. They are taking on the sin that slave owners put on their forefathers, acting as though they are the victims of those atrocities. Now what they are actually doing is conflating episodes of discrimination that's happening today, they're conflating that with slavery of the past, and it's the conflation of slavery that carries the vicarious residue. If their only br- only beef were the slighter injustices of today, racism of today, the noise would not be as loud as many of their black counterparts who experience these slighter sins of discrimination. I always say slighter as far as the horrific effect. There's there's no question that they are slighter when compared to being lan- being murdered basically. And so there are many black people who ha- who do experience discrimination. And they do not not take on this vicarious victim mindset. And so these vicarious victims of slavery show us what can happen to anyone who wants to carry the weight of someone's sin, whether it happened to them or someone else. Too many in the black community want to live out the victim's role, the vicarious role. And what's frustrating is our paternal government caregivers, our biblical counselors, our soul care providers in the government, they encourage this victim mentality. And so that is an illustration of a person or a people group or a demographic that can take on the abuse of another and adopt it in a vicarious way. And we see that and it is heating up seemingly Every day in our culture. My point in bringing up this cultural phenomenon is not to minimize anyone's legitimate suffering, but to demonstrate that if a victim continues to embrace the role of a victim, they will experience more than the evil perpetrated against them. It will impact their souls horrifically at a granular level. The point is not to delegitimize what happened to anyone, but demonstrate how its full effect will damage you if you do not learn how to give that sin to the one and only vicarious victim sacrifice. Let me illustrate another way. Suppose you had a beaker that was full of water. The beaker is your body, let's say, and the water is your soul. Let's further pretend that someone with a syringe full of blue dye puts the dye into the water. The water turns dark blue. It becomes the vicarious sacrifice for what the perpetrator did. The beaker did not ask for it, but it happened anyway. The key is for the beaker to realize it cannot be the vicarious sacrifice. There must be another victim for what happened. The most critical need is to find someone else to become the victim of what happened. You couldn't stop it initially when the perpetrator put the blue dye in the water, but you can't continue to be that way. If you don't find that vicarious sacrifice, the fires will continue to burn until there is nothing left of the soul but ashes. And so if you're black and have experienced discrimination, you must not take on a victim's role. If someone has abused you or you have experienced the horrific sin of someone, no caring person will deny what happened to you, but they must show you how to, how to not stay in the victim's mindset." What happens too often is that the caregivers continue to perpetuate the victim worldview in the mind of the afflicted, and that becomes a huge problem. You can measure the quality of the counselor's care by how they move you from victim to victor while giving your victimness to Jesus. You see vicarious people everywhere. They have not learned how to move from the once a victim, always a victim worldview, moving from that to casting the problems on our vicarious Savior. Christ came to take away the world's sin. The New Testament is very clear on this matter. And our job as counselors, as disciple makers, as good friends, is to help the hurting to do exactly that. Now, there is a way to discern who these vicarious people are, who these victims are, who continue to carry the sin of another, taking on the sin of another. There's a way to identify them. And, and to let them know that, that nobody but Jesus can carry the full weight of what happened to them. And so you want to let them know that, that, that the sin will break them down and its toxicness will, will seep out and start defiling others. And that's part of what happens. If you continue to be the victim, the vicarious container, the beaker of another person's sin, it will break you down, and it will become toxic, and you will start defiling others. Now, let's just be honest here. I've talked with pastors all over the country, and they they share this. I mean, I'm talking about loving people that want to help, but they will affirm that some of the most mean-spirited people that you'll ever meet. Are those who have been hurt by others. I used to be this person, by the way. I was in this camp. I mean, these people who I used to be, these are victims in the fullest meaning of the word. Not just when it happened, but they continue to be that vicarious sacrifice, continuing to burn on the altar as that sacrifice. And so your goal to help them is threefold. Number one, you want to understand the meaning of victim. What I'm talking about here, you want to understand this concept that I'm laying out for you. Number two, you want to discern the effects on someone who has not learned how to cast their victimness on the vicarious one. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to give you five effects. It's not an exhaustive list, but it will help you to think about, it'll help you to grow in your own discernment, as you think about those uh, who who are still carrying the weight of their victimness, still burning on the altar, still being sacrificed, and so understand the meaning of victim to discern the effects on someone who has not learned how to cast their victimness on the victim, the vicarious one, Christ. Number three, don't become impatient with them, but learn how to help these sufferers. When a legitimate sufferer becomes a toxic person because they continue to be that vicarious sacrifice for what happened to them, it's an easy temptation to cast them aside. Now, I am not suggesting that you never stop caring for them, but some, because sometimes the damage of what happened damages them so much that you you're not able, at least at this time. To restore that charred, vicarious soul. These sadder counseling situations, they are victim sinners now. They became the victim at the point of the abuse or whatever happened to them, but because they have they're fully taking on their, their victimhood, they, they now have become vicarious and now The victim has become the victim sinner. They have experienced objective sin at the hands of an evil person. The victim becomes an active sinner because they did not learn how to cast what happened to them on Christ. And the worst of these struggling souls are blind to their sin. It's these folks that you you may have to back away from, at least for a season, because they're too toxic to receive your care. Now, the way you recognize the vicarious victim struggler is multifaceted, and so I want to give you five vicarious effects, and I'm sure that you can think of more. And so as I wrap up this podcast, I want to roll through five vicarious effects. The person who has stayed on the altar way too long. The first one, the most obvious one I would imagine, is sinful anger. The most common effect of the vicarious soul is sinful anger. Now I have been in this spot. My daddy was an abuser. I did not know the vicarious savior. I didn't become a, I became a Christian 6 years after he died. And so I just lived under the the abuse, not knowing Christ, and I took on his sin. And what I mean by that is I carried it deep inside of me for many years because God never wired me to carry the sin of another person, and without the hope of the gospel, my father's sin burned deep into my soul. The outcome was I was an angry teenager just to put it plainly. I was an angry, a sinfully angry teenager. It did not take much to set me off. Typically, it was injustice. When I saw someone abusing another, I did not hold back. I was a justice warrior with an attitude from Hades. And so sinful anger is one of the vicarious effects of, of the person who has been legitimately sinned by another. Another is bitterness. Central anger turned out is easy to spot, as I have described to you, but when you turn it inwardly, it becomes bitter to the vicarious soul. After the root takes hold, it starts defiling others. I talked about this earlier with a toxic person. This type of abused person, ha- they have an ever-weakening optimism. I mean, the, the the sin, the vicarious sacrifice, it just continues to work inside of them, and they have an ever-weakening optimism. They lose hope. They become cynical, which is the onset of the bitter spirit. This is anger turned inward. Those around them will easily succumb come to the temptation to give up, because they will feel the defiling effect of this vicarious soul, as uh, uh, the Hebrew writer talked about in Hebrews 12:15. And so we have sinful anger turn outward. We have basically sinful anger turn inward that I'm calling bitterness. And then a third one is insecurity as the effects of the sin linger the person creates false narratives about who they are fear and insecurity are expected outcomes the darkness convince, convinces them that they are are not normal not worthy they aren't like people. They aren't like other people, jealousy and envy. They begin to feel different, inferior, insecure. And once his stronghold takes effect, and it will take effect if you lay on the altar as a vicarious sacrifice too long, it will begin to wreak havoc on the, on the vicarious mind. And So we have sinful anger, bitterness, insecurity. Another one is double-minded, Continuing to carry the sin of another can create another type of mind inside of your mind. James called this the double-minded person. This person can think rationally, biblically at times, but then there is another kind of mind too. This head-swiveling believer confuses their friends. What typically happens is what folks call the triggering effect the victim thinks about their abuser, for example, or something reminds them of their abuser, and because they have not correctly dealt with it, they still see themselves as a victim. It triggers them, and they, they continue to be the victim rather than Christ, and so you'll see a double-mindedness with this kind of vicarious person. And then the last one is blindness, and I'll finish with this. The victim who becomes The blind caregiver. Now this victim, this vicarious person, becomes a blind caregiver. They have experienced legitimate abuse, and out of a sincere heart, they want to help others. They cannot see how their help does not help, because they instill the victim mindset into their abused counselees. One way to recognize these blind caregivers is by their overuse of descriptive psychology. They talk on and on. They describe what happened to the victim. And you'll hear a lot of this. I was listening to one of these the other day where this lady gave a talk, and almost the entire talk was just descriptive psychology. It, it just perpetuated this victim mindset. They don't really bring sound solutions, but they mostly explain what the abuser did or how the victim felt because that's what they know, because they are still the vicarious, they still are the victim. And so the unwitting victim hears the accurate descriptions and they feel affirmed in their victimhood. If you're building a following of victims rather than victors, it's the blind leading the blind and and all of them are heading to heading into a ditch. I have a call to action at the end of this uh, article here. You're welcome to take a look at it if you want. The title of it is Thinking of Yourself as Victim is One of the Worst Things You Can Do. It came from a discussion that I had with one of our team members, Daniel Berger, again, who has his own ministry, and I have a link here that will take you to him. I would encourage you to uh, read Uh, read what he puts out, and also if you want to talk to him, you could come to our free community forum, and he'll be glad to chat with you. If you want to talk about this topic or any other thing that's on your mind, we would love to do that because that's what we do. We are a dialogue ministry, and we want to dialogue with you. We have a way to do that, not email, not Facebook, not any other portal except for our free community forum. That way you won't fall through the cracks and we'll be sure to see it and be able to respond to you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast.